Well, welcome to the final session, everybody. Um, it's always a joy to be standing between you and some uh, drinks, but uh, we, uh, we, ha we have an eminent panel between uh, here, and I believe we have the minister coming in, so uh, if we're uh, swiftly ushered off stage, that is why she is more important. Um, we have a, a diverse group here. Uh, containers is our, uh, our, our market, but uh, between us, I think, you represent uh, different aspects of the industry, so I'm keen to understand some of the dynamics at play in different size ranges. Um, we've got um, uh, Andreas uh, Papathomas, uh, CEO of Synergy Maritime, uh, Adrian Economakis, uh, COO of Vessel Values, uh, Simeon Pereiras, uh, Chief Administrative Officer of Euroseas, and Cal D'Ambrosio, Managing Partner of CMAX Capital Management. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us, gentlemen. Um, when you're doing these ones, it, it, it's always uh, uh, you know, the job of the moderator to find the uh, slightly esoteric questions, but I'm afraid Hamish Norton beat me to the pig question, so I'm disappointed there. Um, let's start with uh, a quick view from each of you, and just give us a quick introduction in terms of the, uh, the sectors you represent. Adrian, I'm leaving you out of this because I'm bringing you in on the, uh, on the values aspect of, of, of these things, but I just want to get a, a quick calibration in terms of the size ranges we're talking about. Andreas, let's start with you. Give us a view of what your market is and where you see the main opportunities and risks to the market right now. Uh, Synergy Group are ship owners and managers of container ships, primarily charter container ships in the Panamax plus or minus size of ships. Um, we have run um, investment platforms for large um, institutions over the last 20 years, uh, investing in container ships. And um, primarily, uh, we have found that um, the last decade or so, has been, um, uh, I think most of us all agree, a disappointment for um, ship investment. Um, after the um, collapse of the markets in late 2008, um, the markets have meandered along up and down but delivered poor returns for investments for quite some time now. Uh, we feel that that is partly driven by cyclical stuff but also by structural issues involving the innovation of very large container ships over the last decade. Uh, going forward, uh, the challenge is to find uh, profitability in an industry which has essentially reset itself as a result of the very large container ships. Um, just to finish my brief introduction, um, I would say that that, in our view, lies in um, focusing on the uh, Panamax and smaller vessels which are priced at um, scrap price, um, where the um, depreciated value of the vessel would be significantly greater than the pricing of today. And by efficient operations, uh, making a, um, a decent return without getting uh, enormous returns. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm gonna skip over Asia for the moment and move straight to Cal. A disappointment? Are you, uh, are you disappointed in shipping, or are you, are you seeing some opportunities there? Uh, disappointing is too strong a word. Uh, we, we started investing uh, in the 2014-15 segment. We, we focused on the post-Panamax segment. Our view was that with the widening of the Panama Canal, these vessels will take over the, the more workhorse-type uh, role that the Panamax vessels were, were, were playing. Um, and... Um, 
and, and for the most part, it's been a pretty attractive segment for us to be involved in. Uh, we started an investment program with uh, long-term charters. Over the years, those charters have matured, and the market has been relatively strong for the last, let's say, 12, 12 months or so. So we're pretty positive, and that's an area that we will continue to, to focus on. Okay. Uh, Simeon, uh, the URSEs have been sounding a little bit more positive of late. We're always positive. <laughs> uh, well, Eurosys is, is probably the only f container company that uh, is in the U.S. public market and uh, and uh, invests uh, in the feeder size uh, or anything below 6,000 TUs. I would say that we 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 are interested to invest. Uh, we currently own 15 ships of this size uh, and. Uh, I might say that uh, you asked before what would be the opportunity in this, uh, in this uh, area, in this sector. Uh, the way we see it is that uh, we are in a, in a very low asset price environment. And uh, we are also in a, um, in a sector that, uh, that trades its chips to areas where growth prospects are still very good, especially in the developing part of the world. So this is a very good opportunity, the way we see it, to enter uh, the sector. I mean, uh, the, the very low asset prices are there. Looking ahead, the prospects look good for the trades that we operate. So we feel that it's a nice time to, to be in that sector. Adrian, I'm going to come to you. You're not a ship owner, sadly. Um, but uh, what, are the, what, are the, uh, what are the vessels values algorithms tell us about the current supply demand dynamics? Are we in a, a low asset value? Is this the time to buy? Is the opportunity looming for everybody here? Mm. I mean, so I think there's two questions you asked there. One's what's really happening with values and also what's happening with demand and supply. So we, our name implies vessels value that we, we, we focus on values, but we also have a great service in trade flows. Uh, cargo volume demand and so on, calculated in real time. So if I start with demand and supply, some pretty good stories out there. So I'll refer to the data here, if you excuse me. So if we look at the larger containers, if we take post-Panamax upwards, just in the last three months, we've seen cargo miles increase by about 4%. And over that period, the fleet has grown by about 0.9%. So demand growth is exceeding supply. If we look over five years, we've got demand growing at 18% and supply of that period growing at 12%. So in that larger sizes, there is a great demand and supply fundamental. Fortunately, if you look in the data, and you know, we like the story on the small ships, but just look to the data to what it says, and on the smaller sizes, let's say take the, the, the feeder max, we've had flat demand growth in the last three months and luckily flat supply growth, which then hopefully is going to lead to potentially some of we have a, a little demand shock uh, upwards, some potential improvements in the feed of earnings. But over the five years, just referring to the data, we have had demand fall by 13%. Cargo volume demand for the smaller sizes actually fall. At the same time, the fleet did grow to by about 8%. So you can see the, the disconnect that is going there. So in summary on demand supply, a good story currently and historically for the larger sizes, not such a great story for the smaller sizes. Um, just on, on the values, it's really the same thing that we've seen values really increase significantly for the larger sizes. So, you know, if we just look at the, uh, 
if I just refer back to the real data, you know, if we take a post-Panamax, I think she is the post-Panamax is the best performing asset in the shipping space by value appreciation in last year. Our metrics put for a five-year-old an increase for about 33% in value in a 12-month period. That beats MRs, that beats VLGCs, that beats you know, some other strong markets that have happened. Uh, on the smaller sizes, effectively, we, we're seeing flat. We haven't seen really any movement up or down in values of any significance. And that really echoes what's going on in the charter markets. I think the smaller sizes, earnings have just come up a little bit, but it, 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 it's uh, quite small. And we do expect the larger, the improvements of the larger sizes to bring up the smaller sizes eventually. And we've seen historical correlations in the past into lagged correlation. The big ones go first and then the smaller ones follow. Uh, but so far, we haven't seen that significant move happen yet. Can I add Please, something yeah. to what? Yes, but you, what you have to observe here is that the, the, the smaller vessels had a pot of an idle fleet that had to be absorbed before you see any increase in rates which would lead to higher asset prices. Now we are at a point where the idle fleet has more or less of the smaller vessel been absorbed. We are at a low point of, over the last 10 years that we are seeing an idle fleet in the sector. So it looks better now. I mean, if, if rates improve, the asset prices will definitely follow like the biggest sizes have. Agreed. I mean, while we're on the, you know, the, the, the topic of asset prices, I mean, in terms of investment opportunities, particularly in the, the, the sectors that you are in, do you see, uh, you know, available tonnage in the market? Is this, is this the time? Are we going to see a flood of, of S&P coming through the market now? Are you yeah. Sorry, I missed the first part of the question. I'm just wondering, are we going to be seeing uh, an increase in S&P given the asset values, given the sort of the positive market that you are looking at? Are we, are we, are we going to be seeing some moves in terms of uh, consolidation in the market, do you think? Uh, I think consolidation is it's, it's, it's necessary, it's vital. We've seen consolidation from... Sorry, sorry. am I interrupting? <laughs> if you don't mind, if we can interrupt the panel to have uh, the minister make her remarks because we have to go and then we'll continue with the panel. Sure. Is that okay? You have been trumped, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> so, by, by the way, I, I apologize to you and to the minister for this disruption, but if we didn't have the problem with the fire uh, drill before, we would have been completely on time. But anyway, we are honored to have the uh, minister of uh, shipping with us. And uh, please join us to uh, give us your address. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm feeling a little bit guilty. I've just messed up your session. But hopefully you can continue afterwards. My next engagement is with Her Royal Highness. So I'm not allowed to be late, otherwise I'll be fired. So forgive me if I put my job before your panel session. But I am absolutely delighted that you're here for London International Shipping Week. I'm also incredibly excited about the topics that you've chosen to discuss today. Financing, technology, environment, which are all cornerstones of the UK government's 2050 strategy, our maritime 2050 strategy. So I look forward to reading the notes from my team after your day concludes to see what you have come up with, any new ideas. So Maritime 2050, the government launched Maritime 2050 in January this year. It represents an ambitious vision of how industry and government can work in partnership to make UK maritime sector bigger and better. So that's in, in 30 years' time. We're hoping that we'll continue to be 
the world leaders in maritime. I'm proud to say that Maritime 2050 was only the beginning of our ambition for the future of the sector. In the short term since it was published, we have already produced some route maps on trade, technology and the environment. And just yesterday, just yesterday, we launched our people route map. I know that you've touched today on the importance of decarbonising the maritime sector, and I'm determined that the UK must be a leader in the transition to zero emissions. In June, the UK made a, in, in June, the UK made a legally binding commitment to reduce carbon emissions to net zero to 2050. It really is a huge step forward, making the UK the first developed economy in the world to make such a pledge. And in July, just a few months ago, we published the Clean Maritime Plan, the UK's blueprint for clean growth and zero emissions in the maritime sector. In that plan, we outlined the important role green finance will play in, achieving, in helping us to achieve our ambitions. Green finance will allow us to harness the delivery capacity of the market economy, mobilising the enormous resources of our capital markets by aligning private sector financial flows with clean, environmentally sustainable and resilient growth, and by maximising our strength in maritime professional services. The UK has the opportunity to build on its position as a world-leading financial centre to become a global hub for the provision in green finance, insurance and legal services for the clean maritime sector. I believe that you also talked today about the evolution of bank finance and how new entrants are changing the investment landscape. Just yesterday, I had the pleasure of welcoming a report that looks at the UK's competitiveness across the maritime professional business services sector. The findings of the report make clear that the UK remains the global leader in this field. Our law, insurance and shipbroking sectors are the best in the world, but we cannot be complacent about our position. The report reveals that our closest international competitors are hot on our heels. And with 20,000 delegates at London International Shipping Week, they're probably in this room taking note right now. So we need to build on our strengths and make sure we capitalise on the opportunities in front of us, including areas such as clean shipping and new technology. Our partnership with the maritime professional business services sector is stronger than ever. We must continue to develop this so that tomorrow's opportunities become today's rewards. I'd like to finish by reflecting on the importance of these events by bringing people together from across the sector to discuss the pressing issues of the day to ensure that we are prepared to take on the challenges facing the sector in the future, but fundamentally to take on the opportunities as well. I really want to welcome you to London to International Shipping Week. I really hope that this week exceeds your expectations and I'm so sorry that my visit to you is fleeting today, but there are hundreds of events, and I'll be at most of them over the next few days. So if you catch me in the margins of receptions, please get hold of me, and I hope to talk to you again in the future. I hope you all have a very successful week. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
I'm officially the minister's stalker this week, so uh, <laughs> it's fine. Thank you. Now, I'm assuming you gentlemen don't have a, uh, an appointment with the princess, so we can, uh, we can carry on. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, where were we? Um, asset values looking attractive. Um, market brimming with uh, optimism and opportunity, from what you're saying. I'm being, you know, somewhat over-positive. Does that uh, mean that we are going to see some moves in terms of S&P? Uh, do we see investment opportunities? Is there the available capital and finance out there to, uh, to, to, to do that? I mean, you're all in a position where you, know, you could be looking at this as, a, as a, an asset purchase opportunity. What do you think? What, are, what should we be looking out for here? Could we start with you, perhaps? Okay. Yes? Uh, well, as I mentioned before, um, the, the last decade or so has been, we believe, has delivered disappointing returns in shipping, particularly in container shipping. But we also think now that um, the, the period before us is one that offers good opportunities because of the um, good pricing on uh, second-hand container ships, uh, particularly the smaller vessels, um, which uh, you can purchase at prices related to scrap, far closer to scrap than the actual replacement value of the ships themselves. So you can purchase a vessel that's, say, 10 years old for perhaps half the real replacement cost of it um, and earn significant, over time, significant amounts of money as a surplus over the cost of operating the vessel. Um, we find that um, in terms of availability of capital, um, whilst the conventional lenders have uh, retreated there are um, many other solutions involving um, non-bank lenders today, um, which offer sometimes more expensive, but also more innovative and flexible financing solutions. And as far as equity is concerned, uh, we at Synergy find that um, there is um, substantial amounts of equity interested in uh, taking advantage of such opportunities. Um, we continue to believe in the uh, what we call uh, handy sized vessels of this Panamax and, and down. Uh, we think these vessels have been underbuilt and um, it's an area that designer companies do not concentrate on. Um, and um, uh, particularly the Panamax vessel because it's a vessel that can trade uh, short haul voyages and can also do long haul. We were quite surprised to find our own Panamaxes doing Far East Europe regularly over the last couple of years. So we think that this is a good time. Um, it's been given a shove or a push with the scrubber matter, which has mm. pushed up the charter markets. Uh, we all know about that. Uh, that's helped, and this will give a little boost to it over the next six to 12 months. Uh, beyond that, we have to rely upon world growth and uh, the more important factors of supply and demand. But given that this is a size that has not attracted much attention in terms of replacement, we feel that this is a place that uh, offers uh, good returns. Sivas, what about you? I mean, you've been making expansionist noises. Is there, what are the asset opportunities uh, that you see? No, I mean, we're very happy with our segment. Okay. Uh, we, you know, philosophically, we, we think the latter companies will always go for the largest possible ship they can get their hands on to have economies of scale. And that's what we focused on. So our fleet of 12 vessels, we have 8,500s and 9,400s. We have have the fleet classic 85s, they're older generation, and 
other half of the fleet is new generation. So we're sort of hedged from a technological perspective on that, on that basis. Uh, in the last 12 months, we've seen about a 70% increase in charter rates and vessel values have been mutedly going higher. But I think there's still significant opportunities on the segment. I think that's largely driven by the, 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 the relatively panic there is in the, in the equity markets. Uh, I think all the private equity money that was available, let's say five, six years ago to invest in shipping, they've now moved to private credit. They want contractor cash flows. They want uh, residual value guarantees. So it's not really uh, equity. And that's maintaining asset values relatively muted, still making it a very good uh, investment opportunity. If you buy an uh, 8,500 uh, TU ship today, 10, 15-year-old is going to be somewhere around mid-20s, and that vessel is generating more than $10 million a year in gross revenues or close to you know, $8 million in net revenue. So you're getting on a $20 million investment at unlevered IR of close to 20%. So I don't know how sustainable that is for whatever period of time, but the opportunity is there. And the supply dynamics are very positive for the next at least 24 months. We see the, the order book at historical lows. We see... I would call a shyness about ordering. There's been some, but very limited. And, uh, and uh, the, the supply demand should maintain, uh, should stay relatively strong, particularly with uh, Scarborough retrofits taking place right now. That's absorbing somewhere around one, a little bit over 1% of the, of the container ship fleet. Uh, so we're very positive overall. How about from a Eurasia's perspective, opportunities in feeders, you think? We do have the appetite to invest in good feeder ships uh, that we see in the market. We also see quite a few ships that uh, are coming from distressed uh, deals uh, through the banks, mostly through the German, German banks. Mm. We're more cautious on this as they have uh, been neglected due to the very poor cash flows that they have uh, seen in the last few years. And in general, we try to be selective on our ships. Uh, so the appetite is there uh, as far as our uh, capabilities allow us and uh, the capital we have to invest allow, allow us. We're here to, 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 to be a, a buyer at this, uh, at, at this market. Uh, you mentioned before about the access to capital. Uh, mm. is, we, we, we still have a good access to, to, to capital. But the fact that uh, capital has been more difficult to obtain lately is not such a bad thing at the end of the day, because the, what, what, what has made our industry suffer in the last years is over-ordering. And over-ordering has to stop at some point, and the only way to stop is to limit the capital that, uh, that aims to enter this, uh, the, the sector. Mm. So I don't see the, 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 the lack of of capital, or not, not the lack, the, the fact that it's not as uh, as much as it used to be in the past as a bad thing. Mm. I rather see it as a good thing for the time being, at least. I mean, with respect to the second-hand market, I mean, you mentioned the Germans of distressed assets. Do you think there's still a few bargains to be had there, or is everything that could have been taken up already gone? The, uh, most of them are gone. I mean, the, 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 the German... Uh, Container sector has uh, has reduced uh, heavily in the past ten years. I mean, it's almost half, I think. Yeah. So the, the deal flow is not the same as it used to be, and most deals uh, come through their banking system. There are a few deals, but uh, not as many as they used to be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just on that quickly, Richard. Yeah, please. Uh, we were seeing kind of average over the last in the beginning of the year, let's say three to four sales from Germans um, in container vessels. And that over the last few months has disappeared. So whether that's just the summer quiet time 
or an, uh, an indicator that possibly those vessels or the opportunities those vessels might be coming, might be slowing down. Understood. I noticed in the last Eurocy's um, uh, statement, that, you know, there's some positive noises, but uh, you, you did mention that things like the trade spat could still upend your positive uh, sentiment. I want to come to each of you. I mean, in terms of the sort of implications of trade war, I mean, I, I think the headlines have been dominated on the, uh, the liner side in terms of implications of trade war. But in the in smaller sectors, uh, what, what, what's the feeling? Has, have we seen the... Uh... Well, the smaller sectors haven't... Uh, the trades, I would rather say, in the smaller sectors have not yet seen uh, an, an, an effect from the trade war. It's mostly the sentiment that is affected. And the people are scared. And when people are scared, they, you know, they, they're, they're more cautious. They buy less things. This is a general aspect in life. It's not only in the, in the container business. So as long as the fear of the trade war is there, it's definitely not a good thing. Mm. I mean, well, it's a good thing from an ordering perspective. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silver linings. Um, I mean, what's your view in terms of how we see the trade war playing out, or is that a, a fool's game to make predictions at this stage? I mean, I think the trade war will have long-term implications if it continues. Uncertainty is not good for anybody, and it's clearly, we see it from our investors and our, our, our bankers, there's clearly a, a frightness out there that, that shouldn't really be there. Uh, the, the, the fundamentals, are, our ships are full, uh, trade is growing, at, not what it used to be, but it's clocking at 3% per year. Fleet is growing at less than that, uh, and, and, and so there's really no justifiable reason why there's so much panic about it, but there is, and, uh, and that creates opportunities, but also creates headways for, for, for depending on, on, on the structure. We have a very unlevered balance sheet, so we can sustain uh, ups and downs of the market. Uh, we saw it a couple of years ago after the Hengen uh, uh, bankruptcy. A lot of owners had to fix with very flexible periods. We were able to stay out of the market and not lock in charters that were that were not necessarily beneficial by owners, but were more driven by bankers looking to, to lock in some level of cash flow. And, and that will continue as long as this trade uncertainty situation continues. Mm. And you know, on, on the trade war, from a data perspective, obviously it has reduced cargo miles from the China to US trade, but actually on the global perspective, it hasn't had that much of an impact. You know, there are many other trades. The Asia to Europe is a very important trade. The Asia to Africa, even Asia to South America. Um, so even we've had this reduction in cargo miles from the trade war, we still have it growing at almost 4% and exceeding on the larger size and exceeding the, the, the growth of supplies. So mm. you know, just going back to Sinos and so on, it's, it's a, the problems before were a structural problem in too, many supply, in too many vessels, too much large supply. Actually, the demand effect of the trade war has been pretty negligible on the global basis. We think that the, uh, the trade war is primarily a matter between the United States and China at the moment. Mm. And um, we're not optimistic about any uh, resolution of that in the uh, near future. Um, as such, we see ultimately the um, trade between the United States and uh, China as being the main culprit of the trade war. Um, and therefore, again coming back to my previous argument, it will have some negative impact on larger vessels. Whereas um, the rest of the world will continue to trade itself amongst itself, particularly Far East Europe, but there'll be much more inside the Pacific Basin and in the Far East and intra-Asia, which again will support the fundamental economics for more flexible vessels 
mm. such as the vessels that we in Synergy run and indeed that Eurocees as well. Mm. I have to say, having sat between the minister and uh, the Chinese ambassador this morning in an off-the-record briefing, I'm not exactly optimistic that trade war has uh, run its course yet. And there seems to be uh, some heated debate going on. Um, but on, on, on the, uh, the, the point about it affecting the liners and the, you know, the, the bigger sizes in terms of uh, containers, I'm interested to understand sort of how the, uh, the liner alliance shifting over the last year, the, the changes at the, sort of the top end size of the market, how does that filter down in terms of your strategy and how you see things panning out? Is, is there a, a direct correlation here? Well, we think that um, the closer cooperation of the liner companies amongst themselves has come at a time when they also had great advances in their ability to, um, from a digital perspective, monitor their trades mm. and optimize efficiency. Um, their cooperation amongst themselves has led to um, a lesser use of charter vessels. And this has made worse the structural problems I referred to earlier uh, of the last decade. Um, where there were owners who had vessels uh, that were fixed for five or ten years, they managed to survive these times uh, fairly well. But where their owners had vessels with shorter charters, they found themselves re-delivered into a world where the liner companies were operating their businesses more efficiently and didn't need them anymore. Mm. Uh, that could be regarded as a one-off. It happened, and now from now on, vessels that will come into the system will not be brought in where they're no longer required. But we felt that it did have a negative impact on the, the fate of charter owners. Mm. But it has increased the efficiency, I think. I mean, if you look at the sort of internal MERSC reports where they look at their charters and uh, how they rate and benchmark them against each other, I mean, if the competition is fierce in terms of how they are dealing with that right now. I agree with you. I mean, from a point of view of a slot and the consumer, mm. this is a benefit. From the point of view of the independent charter owner, this is a disadvantage. It's a tough business. Um, how about you guys? I mean, in, in terms of uh, Eurocees, I mean, you're down at the, the, the feed rent, how does the, the, the shift in the, in the alliances at the top end affect how you are viewing the market right now? Or is, is there not much? It makes life a little bit more difficult. I mean, uh, there are much less players. Mm -hmm. They know everything that's going on in the market. So our negotiating power is not the same anymore. Having said that, uh, I feel that uh, because consolidation is also needed in the owner side, this, as this progresses, it will probably counterbalance to an extent the power that the liners have over the owners right now. I, I, I haven't actually been here all day, so I apologize if I'm the, uh, the, the, the one of many to be asking this question about 2020, but uh, with self-cap coming in, I, I have to ask the question. Are, are we ready? Are, we, uh, are you fearing any sort of late um, upsets in terms of the market, or are you, are you confident that uh, everything is ready to go for 1st of January? Oh, sorry. I, I think from a ship owner's perspective, everybody's been working on that for the last couple of months, so it's just a switchover situation. In our business, we're, 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 we charter out our ships on time charters, so the fuel is all the responsibility of our charters. Uh, there's back and forth about who's going to pay for cleaning the tanks and when it's going to take place, who's going to supply the, the low sulfur fuel oil to do that and who's going to bear the cost, cost of that. But that, that's all underway and the liner companies, it's, it's a big issue for them and they're, they're working through it. Regarding the supply of the low sulfur fuel oil, we're tracking it. Again, it's not our direct responsibility. Um, any disruption 
on that side will be actually helpful to ship owners because it will create a, a excess uh, idle fleet sitting there waiting for fuel. So, so we're I think overall it's going to be the, 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 the switch over. Not only is it uh, environmentally friendly, but it's going to be friendly for the ship owners as well. Views on 2020? I haven't got much to add, but uh, for, for, from your side, we, we decided uh, not to install scrubbers on our sh ships. Uh, we didn't think it made sense for the size of our fleet. Uh, our technical departments and uh, are, of course, prepared to fully have the vessels ready for what is needed. But uh, I think it's, it's more, mostly a charter issue. We just wait and see how the market will, uh, will react to this, if we're going to see slower speeds to the to the ships, this is what we desire. This would, of course, limit the ship supply and probably would have a good effect on charter rates. Uh, but there is not much to say in addition to what has been said uh, so far from uh, various people. Understood, understood. Now, I know you've had your time robbed by the minister, but uh, I see a red flashing light in front of us. But. Uh, any final thoughts from the data, Adrian, in terms of things you have prepared for us? I know you were looking at, uh, <laughs> nice, looking yes. at your, your notes. <laughs> looks like there's some things left to say. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, look, I mean, the main thing I want to talk about is supply and demand um, and bad news. I did talk a lot about the larger vessels where I actually had to make a recommendation of which container ship to invest in a couple weeks ago. Uh, my recommendation was actually Panamax. Uh, based on it's not what's happened now, it's what may happen in the future. There's been a malign type, I'd say a modern Panamax, but the values have come up a bit, 20% in the last year, but they have compared to other metrics, long-term historical averages, what's happening with supply demand, and also our macroeconomic forecast, a long way to go. We can either easily see another 50% rise in values over the next two to three years. So as an asset play, I would go Panamax. Rex safe play, I would go larger vessels. Very good. Well, that seems... Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> seems an optimistic point to end on. Uh, thank you very much for the final panel. Thank you for sitting through. I know we've gone over time, but uh, uh, a round of applause for our containers panel.